Hello and welcome to the Wanderings podcast. This is Pedro Bonato and I am very happy to share this very, very, very special episode with you. If you're new to the show, welcome and I hope you're safe and remaining somehow productive during these gnarly times. In this podcast, I bring people that have inspired my work in photography, music, design, film, and today's guest has certainly been a huge influence in my life for the past, I'd say, 16 years. My guest is Fabio Marchioru. He is a multifaceted thinker and someone I can call a very good friend. Fabio is a novelist, a screenwriter, a journalist, a lawyer, a professor, and a coach. In this conversation, we talked about a lot of his projects, his journey through different careers about creativity, and we touched on his book, Jena, which is very relevant to the current pandemic and is still one of my favorite reads. What most inspires me about Fabio, and you will see this throughout the interview, is his ability to reinvent himself through new projects, new professions, moving to different countries later in life, and always being in the search of a new version of himself. I thought this episode would be perfect for the times we live in, when we have the opportunity to take a chance in ourselves to change things around and to reinvent our life. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Fabio Marchiori. So I want to, it's so strange to talk to old friends in the podcast, but it has happened a couple of times, but it's interesting to be somewhat formal. So I have to say to you, welcome to the show, Mr. Fabio Marchioro. <laughs> no, thank you so much. But uh, I must say I'm wearing a t-shirt. If you, but you want to go formal, I have to put a white shirt and a tie. Uh-uh, I'm, I'm not wearing pants, so good that it's a... <laughs> It's, oh, um, I don't need that even. <laughs> it's, um, how do you say, um, it's good that it's an audio podcast. But, oh, thank God. Yeah, so uh, uh, we were talking a little bit before, and it was in Portuguese, of course, because it's our mm. mother tongue, although we are known to switch between the two languages and use a, combi a hybrid weird combination of both when we're talking. But we were, like, <laughs> discussing... We cannot ignore the current situation, right? That is yeah. going on right now. So uh, yeah. I will have done, of course, a little intro about like you in the in the podcast, so people have an idea of what you're doing. But uh, let's start with like how are you dealing with uh, the current situation? And you even mentioned that you saw this like in January, and you start a little bit of preparedness and all that. So can you give a little context to how things are for you, and then we'll go into books and creativity and all that stuff nice so first of all thanks for inviting me pedro mm -hmm. should i ask should i call you pedro or pedro viado <laughs> for, for people to know this is just a very terrible way of talking to your friends in brazil so i apologize for that but no you can call me anytime you can call me pedro 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 as sometimes they used to do in canada so yeah whatever piotr piotr that's the one yeah Okay. So first of all, thanks for inviting me. I I'm I have to say I'm flattered. I don't know 
what can I was thinking how man I'm a 57 year old guy that lives in Brazil in Curitiba and I play Xbox I'm like Jon Snow man I know nothing dude <laughs> it's um, inter my experience with most artists is that we all self-deprecate and yeah. we all think like what will people like um, what will people think of usefulness that I would have or anything but in your case like you wrote like a few, some of my favorite stuff like in Kudigena, which we'll talk about and this very poignant yeah. to the current moment and the yeah. the coolest thing that you have done like as a person that I know of and that we will uh, discuss is that uh, we are all like artists in the making and uh, you like wanted to write and you wanted to write like uh, like uh, from I know like from sci-fi to books to to uh, like a TV series that you helped to produce and I think you were what like I don't know, 40-something, when you moved to a different country to start over again, and then when things were not, like, not working the way you wanted, you moved back to your city. So one of the things that I find most like, amazing like, of what you've done is that you had no problems reinventing yourself again and again and again, and where age is, like me, another Peter Pan, in a way. Like, uh, <laughs> we, like, we, we, do, we, we do not allow ourselves to grow up on the bad ways right it's like you and even something you were telling me like off air just before we started that i didn't know because we haven't caught up in a while like that you reinvented yourself even since the last time that i talked to you and i think it's a i think it's a very a very inspiring story like uh you may like sometimes we think it's let's say failures, because I know for myself, I was like, oh, I wasted so much time in the Brazilian government. I wasted so much time in this other place. I tried or sort of half-assed tried this thing and I couldn't do it. And I feel I am still in that. And the difference between uh, people that end up doing cool things is that they just keep going for it in some version, in new incarnation. So that's why I wanted to get um, you in the podcast because also, like, just to finish off that little bit of uh, um, ass licking, as they call it, and the ass, this is an explicit podcast. <laughs> okay. it, it's that, like, you, like, I remember seeing your work by my, my father told me about you. Oh, there's this amazing writer, and uh, he's doing all this stuff. And then we started some projects together. And over the years, I've seen you, like, struggle to create all the things you wanted to create, just like I was doing. And you keep trying to reinvent and find new paths to to find a kind of like a path for you and i think that's that's amazing like it's one of those things that is very underappreciated which is this reinvention like um, so that's one of the reasons and also the podcast is very much about the people that have inspired me and you have certainly my friend has have inspired me in a lot of ways so oh that's God. why you're here. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> hopefully this will sound a little bit like our regular talks over board games <laughs> or long nights of uh, talking. But uh, anyway, that's about you and not me talking about you. So how are you doing these days like with the, the quarantine? Just in context, in case people listen to this in the future when the zombies have arrived, we are <laughs> under the whatever third month after Wuhan. Right, 
third or fourth month, I guess, we started, like since uh, this pandemic sort of started, we are in, both in Brazil and here in Kiev and somewhat of like confinement at home, or at least not confinement, but people say try to get out as the, the least amount that you can. So how is it going for you over there? So um, I don't know if, if it, it is because uh, we, when I say we, it's my wife and I, we lived in Canada for four years. You, you remember that. Uh, spent some time there. Uh, and uh, I, I must, it's, it's part of me, I think. I must pay attention to the big picture. I, I have to know what's going on because inevitably uh, whatever happens on the other side of the world literally right now will affect us. Sometimes more, sometimes Times less, but this time we are all uh, together in this god awful pandemic. By the way, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, not atheist. I'm a agnostic. Agnostic. Thank you. I was. I, I didn't remember the word in English, and I can't shake off the oh my god expression so it's fun for a, a agnostic say this kind of stuff but bear with me okay so sure. I've, I've been we've been paying attention to what's going on in china since december and when uh, the first case appear in europe oh shit we're about to see some uh, about to face a horrible times ahead of us because uh I know it's politically incorrect to say that China manipulates manipulates oh, yeah, data yeah. and they hide stuff from the rest of the world, but they did. It's obvious, obvious. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, so when the first cases started to appear in Europe, okay, we have to plan here. Uh, I live in Curitiba. It's south south southern region in Brazil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, far away from everything, but not quite. And today, we live in a connected world. Everybody is uh, talking to everybody and breathing the same air. So eventually, it got in Sao Paulo, was the first case in Brazil. Actually, today, they found out the first case, the first person to die of coronavirus or to die of the COVID-16. COVID, yeah. Is it 16, 22, 19? You mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, Jones, no, I know nothing. And uh, uh, so the first person in Brazil died in January in Minas Gerais, one of the states in central Brazil. And, but the first reported case, known case now is in Sao Paulo. And uh, so far here in Curitiba, we had no deaths, what is amazing. Uh, the system here, the health system is working uh, very nice so far. But Joe Rogan says, talks like this, right? And it's okay, but, but yeah. <laughs> people are not respecting uh, how they should the, the quarantine. Yeah. Uh, I live on a... 22nd floor uh, uh, my, my apartment so I can see uh, several stores and markets around me and the first days they were empty now it's 
business as usual. Huh. So uh, I, if we if we get the, the idea from what happened in Italy, oh, the ship is going down, my friend, here. Yeah, yeah especially because in Brazil, like, with the, the weather getting a little bit better now, I assume. So, no, I don't know if it's going to get colder in Brazil right now. Cold, yes. It's going to get colder. It's well. autumn here. Autumn. Yeah, right. So it's so supposed today, to be worse. So Yeah, today is a... Blue skies, balmy, 21 degrees, but the wind is chilly already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and people and should know that usually, like, most of the people who listen to the podcast, they will be from, like, North America, a lot of people from Europe, some people from Asia. Usually people think that in Brazil it's all, like, uh, like beach and carnival and very hot, but we are from the south of the country where we actually have four seasons and in the cold, it gets damn cold. And uh, it's, uh, it's not as nice as uh, other parts of Brazil. It's a huge country over big territory. So we have all sorts of different uh, like temperature ranges and everything. Yeah, important uh, you mentioned that. And here in Curitiba, we have uh, sub-zero temperatures, minus one, minus two, minus four, but you have no snow. Yes. So we 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 feel the cold with all the fun. We can we can can <laughs> ski here or snowboard in your yeah. case. Yeah, put a put a pin a note on uh, skiing because we're gonna get back to that subject on your uh, on your uh, Canada chapter. But uh, so like that's the situation that you guys are in now. And uh, so I guess one of the thing, one of the reasons, like I, as I mentioned to you, like I wanted to talk to you for the podcast for like a year or so, even more. Like, and uh, I think right now is very poignant because you actually wrote a book called Jena, right? With uh, like one partner in the book, it was like uh, like written in uh, like as a duo, and it's one that uh, back in 2004 when I met you, we we worked on creating an audiobook version that was uh, read by you. So I'm very very familiar with uh, with the book, and I always thought think about it. And even now that I'm living in Kiev and I went to Odessa, for example, there is one chapter, one very important thing that happens in the in the in the book that is related to, to Odessa in, in Ukraine. And it was always like, put a smile on my face whenever I walk around <laughs> the city. Because I was thinking like, huh, would this part be part of the nuclear blast and everything? So but let's uh, like uh, dive a little bit into your like history as a, as a story as a writer, right? And maybe we can hook with Jeanna uh, and then talk about other things. But because Jeanna is very much a, a book about catastrophe and when bad things go wrong. Right. So walk us a little bit in through, into the, the story of Jeanna, uh, and then we'll go into more of your work as a writer. Okay, I wrote, uh, we wrote Jeanna, uh, uh, I wrote with a good friend of mine, uh, he passed away already. Away? Or, away. Or mm -hmm. Passed away, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, his name was Gabriel Campanholo. Mm -hmm. He he lived in Australia for 15 years, and then he moved back to Brazil. And he he lived in a farm in isolation uh, in, in the interior of our state here, Paraná. And uh, once uh, we were talking about, there was a, a great deal of wine involved, and uh, I mentioned, listen. What about if you'd write a book, because we're talking about catastrophes and stuff, uh, 
let's write a book about what would happen in Brazil if a, a very big catastrophe would hit. And I tell you why we, I had this idea. Uh, I, uh, I, I married with Nancy, that you know, uh, in 19, 1994, oh, 26 wow. years already. Oh, wow. And uh, our honeymoon was in New York. And I remember was, we were taking a tour on the, 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 the double-deck bus. And uh, when the bus parked or stopped, uh, I think it was Columbia University. Columbia is in New York, right? Yeah, Columbia. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So it, the, the bus parked, and I, I looked to the, my left side. I remember perfectly. And there was, there was a sign, a yellow sign, nuclear shelter. But holy shit, they really do prepare. It's not like a movie. They, it's part of their culture. And I, I, I just, when I moved, uh, we, we uh, finished our trip and came back to Brazil, I was talking to a lot of people. That they had no idea that this kind of, uh, of mentality was, uh, I think, ingrained. Mm -hmm. Is that a word? Yep, that's and, and the culture of the people. And here in Brazil, it was completely uh, out of every people's minds. So I was talking to Gabriel about it. I thought, let's write a book about what would be the plot. I don't know. There's a, in Curitiba, there's um, a base, an Air Force base, that is the, the controller for the air traffic for the Brazilian military and some of the civil aviation, aviation. Mm -hmm. and let's, what, let's say there's a, 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 a base on Australia in Pine Gap that Gabriel tried to visit and was repelled with, <laughs> with strong force when he tried to visit Pine Gap in Australia. Oh. And let's say, let's imagine that there's another one, I don't know, Kimberley in South Africa. And you could triangulate the signals with satellites. And so if you want to blind uh, the, the army, the part of the, the, the south, southern hemisphere, you had to hit these three points. Oh, he liked the idea. I'm just, we, we very, in a hugely amateur way, we started to create characters and try to create plots that would take us to this goal. And uh, eventually, we, we, uh, when we finish it, uh, well, well, first of all, it's pre-Google, right? right. Pre-Google, pre-Alta uh, pre Vista, pre-Yahoo, <laughs> pre-everything. We only had access to books, so libraries, uh, Gabriel had a couple. When I went to New York a second time, we got some books there, uh, and it was built on strictly on fa science facts. How would eventually would uh, uh, a hit of a one megaton nuclear warhead in Curitiba? Mm -hmm. The thing is, if we, Curitiba has what almost two million inhabitants right now, so it's not it's not a small city, but uh, we uh, we have I don't know two million people. It's, it's a big center, so we had to reduce the size of the bomb to 
100 uh, uh, kiloton. Uh, kiloton. Yes, thank you. Uh, sorry, 500 mm -hmm. half of the, of the of the bomb. So because otherwise there was no character, there was no city, there was no story mm -hmm. to tell. So we had to cut in half, and and then uh, most of our characters live on the periphery of the city because mm -hmm. the, the the ones that were in the middle, they're not. Their history. And uh, so, and then uh, the, the, the writing was excruciating, almost cost our friendship. Eventually, we, we, uh, we, we had a fight, horrible fight, and uh, I used my characters, you, you do whatever you want. Actually, I told him to shove it up his ass, <laughs> and, and we, we didn't talk for more than a year. And eventually I found a book that he always talk about and he had lost the book. It's called Lucifer's Hammer. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's mm -hmm. by uh, Larry Niven and uh, David Purnell. Or mm -hmm. that, yeah, it's a very it. famous book, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, and he had and lost it. But I found I found two copies. I bought one for us and I said, I know we are not talking to each other. But this was part of a, 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 a. We made a deal long, a long time ago. Whenever we find a copy, we would buy. So I sent him the copy, and that saved Jenna, because oh. we started talking again, and then we finished the book. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the, the thing is, the, the most important thing in Jenna, I think, is how a, a country that has no culture regarding nuclear nuclear weapons or their effects, or in effect, any big catastrophe. Uh, Brazil had never had a war on his territory. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have no earthquakes, we have, we have bad politicians, but it's a, it's a different, it's a different- uh, It's another silent uh, killer. Yes, oh, Adam, let's not talk, oh, yeah. let's talk about it. <laughs> And uh, um, yeah, so Brazil is like uh, it's you mentioned that Brazil is like this country that has uh, very live and let live, laissez faire, like uh, not worried about yes. uh, anything. And then you wanted to see what the impacts would be of a big catastrophe in a pe with people that don't have that yeah. preparedness thinking, right? Yeah, we don't have hurricanes, we don't have earthquakes, we don't have volcanoes. Uh, so it's a, it's a, we are very privileged to live in Brazil. And uh, so that was what we, we selected a few characters for a politician, a uh, 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 boy that lived in the streets, how he would apply his, his skills to survive. Uh, uh, an old Italian guy that I love, mm -hmm. Fantini. He's mm -hmm. my, maybe he's, he's my favorite character. Uh, because he, 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 in Fantini, in this character, we have all the, the Italian things that my family have, expressions, and, and Gabriel gave used some of the things that his father used to say. So it's mm -hmm. an amalgamation, is that yep. right? Yep. Is it mm -hmm. a word? That's a word. Mm -hmm. And my English is coming back. Thanks yes. for this. Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so uh, that's what he tried to analyze how would people react for, for the fireman 
uh, he heard, he had read about it uh, uh, years ago about the dark rain. So what's going on? How deal? Listen, there's nothing standing in the city anymore, and they have to deal and they have to save people. So how some people rise to the occasion, how some people break down and actually. Uh, puts other people's in in, in, in harm's way. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the things that I remember. Another thing that is very cool in the book that that you put that how sometimes a lot of these let's say things that were supposed to be under really tight controls, like nuclear arsenals. They were at some points at the brink of, we have been, uh, like in hindsight, we know that we were at the brink of some very terrible things, right? And in the book, you even mention about some redundant computers that would talk to each other. And because of the way that the computers were running, they actually signaled the like to launch nuclear, uh, uh, like uh, nuclear strikes and all that. So, uh, and I mentioned that's interesting for now because you always think like the, um, even on the, like to bring a little bit with uh, today's context of like Corona and all those situations that we have at the same time, a distrust of the government that people just decide to do anything. And at the same time, we have this blind belief that, oh, they will, they know what they're talking about, the experts. And even the nuclear, like, like, how to say, mutually assured destruction, right, like situations. Yeah. We, we came to, cut to very, like, close calls to it. And you use that idea in the book. So can you talk a little bit about of that, uh, like, that, all the computer uh, like, <laughs> uh, redundancy things that you used as a plot in the book? Yeah, the scary thing, Pedro, is that all the things we use in the book really happen. Right. For example, they had uh, very uh, uh, sen sensitive or sensible yep. radar. Sensitive. Uh, sensitive. Sensitive. Radar. It was so sensitive that suddenly it picked up a massive attack from Russia. Thousands, hundreds, hundreds of missiles. Uh, flocking towards the United States. And the thing is, just the moon had appeared in the horizon, and the radar in interpreted it as a, as a lots of missiles. So uh, that thing happened. Uh, for example, the, uh, <laughs> again, pre-Google, mm -hmm. pre-computers, personal computers, pre-tablets, pre-everything, they had those big computers with uh, 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 tapes, yeah. and they were trying a scenario, an exercise scenario, and it was on the everything in in in, in threes. The first computer is working here, then they have a backup and a second backup, and they let a tape or a program running on the third computer that was a scenario, an attack scenario. And the first computer went uh, went down, the second one took over, and there was a problem, and the third took over, and suddenly they were in the middle of an attack. He used this in the book, and it really happened. So uh, it's, it's frightening that uh, despite, I don't know how things are today, like you said, you wrote the book, oh, I'm afraid to, to, to think about it, how long ago? 
2004, you, you told me? Uh, yeah, remember. 2004, we, we, we got together to do the audiobook. So you had the book done for a, for a while already. And it took, us, it took us three years to write it. So everything is completely different now. I don't know how, how what, everything is classified. It don't, it's very hard to find about it, find out about it. But uh, it really, like I said, it really happened. We were, like you said, on the brink to nuclear catastrophe. And people in Brazil, ah, they don't give a shit. It's not, it's far away. Like bringing to, to today the coronavirus. It's in China, it's far away, it, it doesn't affect us. It's in Italy, it, it's in Germany, it's in UK, it's in Germany, but it's on the other side of the Atlantic. Oh, it's in the US, but it's far away. Well, now it's in Sao Paulo. And even then, people are not taking the quarantine seriously. I, today is April 3rd, right? Yeah. Uh, we, my, I'm 57, my wife is four years on, younger than me. We decided to uh, we closed our doors on March 16th, March, March the 16th. So uh, we just went down to receive some some groceries we had bought, mm -hmm. but otherwise uh, we were home. So uh, even this in this situation, we are uh, kind of exposed, and there's a chance we're the group risk. Is that a, right? Yeah, group risk. Say? That's the one. Uh huh. Yeah. That's the way. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get this thing. I don't want to. I don't want to because I'm 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 in the category that gets uh, interned in hospitals more frequently. I'm 57. Right. I'm I'm kind of uh, inside. I'm a boy inside, mm -hmm. like I'm a Peter Pan. On the outside, my right side doesn't agree exactly with what I say. <laughs> Uh, I try to keep fit. We work even now. We are we we have a personal trainer. Uh, he is uh, attending uh, online. So mm -hmm. he watches doing the exercises, and he's very good. We worked with him for one year, uh, eighteen months already. So he knows our strengths and our problems. So he's very good. And, but people, they don't care. They're saying uh, they're, everything is going back in, in, in after the April uh, the, the 13th, yeah. in 10 days. Yeah. It's a big problem. It's a big problem. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm, I, I told you uh, when you were talking before, I decided to like said, reinvent myself. So my studies, I'm studying psychology now. Yes. It's a five-year program. It's a graduate five-year program. But uh, people say, but you're going to, when you graduate, you will be more than 60 years old. Like 63, so what? Yeah. So what? What's, yeah. Uh, there's tons of studies about, now let's not talk longevity now. Yeah. <laughs> but but pe people, people, people are... Brazilians are, are like this, and suddenly they no, they're going to spite the government, and they're going out. So, like, like I said, first days everything was calm and quiet. Now it's the regular business, business as usual. Yeah, and I think that's one of those things that like it reminded me of the situation, reminded me with your uh, with your book, this idea that I know it's very specific to Brazil that we have this uh, like. 
not worrying about the future kind of a situation. Very different than in Canada that like they even have it to the other side, like that they take everything too seriously sometimes, right? And it comes with, uh, if you don't get ready for the winter, like you will die basically, right? So they really, uh, as the US will be the country of litigation, Canada is the country of insurance, right? It's like you have to have insurance for everything. They, yeah. I even remember things like, I think you told me about this when I moved to Canada and you had been already there for like one or two years, that you said like that, especially places where they have blizzards in Canada, that they do like, you, you must have three days worth of like water, food and supplies because the National Guard doesn't guarantee that they'll get to you unless it's that amount of time, right? And I was thinking like... The first, uh, you're in charge for the first 36 hours, if I recall very well. Oh, okay. So even uh, not that long. Yeah. So uh, it's one of those things like... And being a guy that had lived in the in cities for most of my life, and uh, I, was, I have always been, I say, tangentially interested in uh, survival from... Uh, let's say, society point of view, which is why I thought your book was interesting and what people do and all those things. And what makes us civilized and what makes like society function in either in, ter- in times of crisis or in times of like peace and prosperity. And then, mm-hmm. but I never really worried about like, oh, having food on my fridge for more than a day or two because I know it can always go down and it's 24-hour service and all the supplies are always available. It's only a matter of price inconvenience mm-hmm. right yeah and then suddenly we are in the situation where i was even thinking like being here in kiev like huh why not take this advantage take the situation we're going in to actually reinvent a lot of uh, assumptions and put them to practice in the like real situation we're going to and uh, which is why i thought like uh, the book jana is available in portuguese but if uh, well, hopefully, eventually it will be translated, and uh, it's a very cool read. And the audiobook with you, listen, you if you reading, it's very cool too. But one mm-hmm. other uh, one thing that I wanted to get into is this idea that we were talking about. You started studying psychology, which I, I didn't know, and uh, I think it's fantastic. And uh, in a way, you were sort of like ahead of the curve, I think, in uh, what most people do, because usually, like now, we know that you will have a lot of different, let's say paths in the artistic or even like uh, creative or work paths throughout throughout your life. And it's something that is expected now that, oh, you're going to learn something, but in like whatever, 10, 20 years, you'll have to relearn it. And people don't go back to school. They keep doing the same thing until they are completely forced to go back in a way. And you have always thought that like education and uh, like following curiosity, something that, okay, now let's try this new thing and uh, see where it leads. And I think that makes it into a unique uh, situation. So let's talk a little bit about like this changing of uh, arenas that you had, because as far as I know, mm-hmm. you were like, you were a lawyer in the beginning, and then you were a journalist, and then you were a professor, yeah. then you went to mm-hmm. do graduate studies, and then you became like in coaching, and now you're in psychology. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I know it's a big question, but approach it however you would like, like this um, changing lanes and, uh, you know, we're trying to find lanes too. Uh, if my father heard the last sentence uh, that you described uh, about myself, he would have died again. Because, 
he always said I was, um, uh, let me, let me, um, Volatile? Volatile? Volatile. Yeah, volatile. That my, you, you change states, right? Yeah, yeah. My yeah. father always said that I was horribly volatile because I find the first sport I, I, I practiced was judo. Mm -hmm. And I, I practiced judo for several years. I got the purple belt. And I was the the one step from from being the the, the Brazilian champion of the, my category. I was the mm -hmm. Southern Region champion of my category, and I was I was good at. It. I always I, I, I didn't use just strength. I used strategy. So I, I liked. So I I, I, I trained. I practiced for several years, and then I thought, okay, uh, what else, right? What else? And then I practiced some. Uh, remo, mm -hmm. uh, it's rowing. rowing, rowing, rowing for a couple of months. Ah, that's not for me. And my father, why are you doing this? You have to pick, choose, pick one thing and stay, stick with it. For, no, I don't have to stick with it. If mm -hmm. I have the opportunity to try different approaches and different things, I'll try it. Now you you have to pick and stick to it. The hell I going to? I, I won't do it like like this. I won't live my life like this. Oh, my father. It's a long story. It's a, we need beers to talk about. <laughs> grab one. Grab one. <laughs> quarantine quarantine <Yeah>. beer. <laughs> and uh, so I, 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 I practiced karate for, for a couple of years. I, I, uh, you, you introduced me to archery. Mm -hmm. uh, I I always loved firearms. I know it's not politically correct, but, but whatever they're awesome. My family, my family has a farm upstate, so we had chance to to hunt and to practice. Uh, and I I I, I like the first of all the design of the weapon. A, a firearm is a piece of art. Of course, and, and uh, when you see that art in motion, producing effects, I'm not saying uh, of killing people, not, not just zombies in Xbox. <laughs> and and uh, so uh, I, I, I always practice this kind of stuff, and I wanted to explore and more and more. I remember my uh, when I decided to to attend a law school. Uh, I was talking to my mother, and she said, "But what do you really want? What are you searching? What do you really want to do with your life? Well, I want to help people. That's the first thing that came to mind. I was 17 years old. So why don't you study law? You could help a lot of people. Oh, okay, maybe it's an idea. So I started. Uh, it was uh, I, I, I won't say the date. Yeah, a while back. Mm -hmm. A while, a whole big while back, and um, on the it's a five-year program. On the third year, I thought, no, that's not for me. So I, I I quit and I started to study to attend the psychology program. It's 47, 40 years ago, and I went to study psychology back then. 
And then my my mom and my and my my my, my mother and my father said, "No, you, you should go back. You should go back." Because I, I was admitted to the federal university here. It was the best school. It was very hard to get admitted. It was free. Mm-hmm. So um, they wanted me to finish the program. So I said, okay, I'll finish the program. And then you'll see what I'll do with my life. And I finished. I graduated in law school. I, had, uh, I worked for several years. Several. I had my own practice. And at some point, okay, what else? <laughs> what else? What can you do to improve me as a person uh, to continue to pay the bills? And, and then I, uh, at this point, we're about to, to, to leave Curitiba and live in a small farm that we bought, a small piece Town. of land that we bought. Uh-huh. And, and eventually everything went wrong. We were building a house. It was supposed to to take seven months, and it took seven years to finish. And in the meantime, we got we broke. We, we lost all of our money. We started again, and then at this point, I was writing some articles, and, and I, had, I had my first book uh, published. It was called Pensagens. Mm-hmm. Pensagens translating free would be a mindscape, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, a collection I, of short stories, right? Yes. And, and then I, I went to study journalism. So I attended another program, a four-year program, and I was writing some articles to, to local magazines. My wife was working, and we, we, we paid the bills strictly. There's nothing else we could do. And eventually, when I graduated, they invited me to... Actually, your father invited mm-hmm. me yeah, cool. to, to work as a teacher because I had the law degree and the communications degree. So I started uh, the first uh, course I, I, I was teaching was media, law, and ethics. So I, oh my God, I missed so much that. Hmm. I really miss, I, I really miss the classroom as a teacher. And uh, uh, eventually, I, I don't know, I, I worked there for uh, eight years or so. And then we moved to Canada. My, my wife was working at the IT department at Volvo, here in Curimovo, Volvo Motors. Uh-huh. And we quit everything and we went to, to Canada. I stayed there for four years. I attended a program there called Canadian journalism for internationally trained writers. It mm-hmm. was perfect. At Sheridan, Sheridan Institute, but it didn't work. Yeah. And they it was actually it was it was not okay. Yeah. And uh, they were supposed to have an internship by the end of the program. They weren't able to, to get us internships. So it was not very good. And then when we, maybe my mother was having some health problems. My older brother, Marcelo, that died already. He had... Um, like a hoarding um, thing, if I remember correctly. I don't know how much you Yeah, to yeah but it was a part of a, a bigger problem it was oh i see uh, like more he had some mental health issues i guess and uh, people should know he's a very like uh, very uh, like well 
considered like a, a like a theater right theater director and he had the like opera director opera director he had a lot of uh, like a well-known let's say in brazil uh, and very respected uh, like uh, like person in the arts uh, that you have in your family right so then you came yeah. back to to brazil on doing that transition too right? yeah uh, give me one second and i uh, because he had a, a, a brain thing, and it was um, multiple sclerosis. Okay, right. Mm -hmm. He had multiple sclerosis, and it started, he, he lost uh, the ability to talk, to move. It was awful, awful. And at the same time, my mom was showing signs of what could be. It was never diagnosed. She, she died before that, but it was probably Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. So it was not fair for us to keep living a good life in Toronto and uh, not helping here. Right. So it's part of the reasons we moved back to Brazil was to help. And um, it was, we spent the, the last years with them. And actually it was awful. It yeah. was awful. And both of them bedridden and, oh, okay, awful. Yeah. And, and then I, uh, we st we tried when we moved back to Brazil. We tried to get involved in the arts, but uh, at that point, Brazil was in shambles. Was was broke because of the the, the corruption of the of the, Administration. the Labour yeah. Party and. People yeah. still think Lula is a great person. He's not. Yeah. And he broke the country, and uh, everything was so hard to get done here. But we started again, and we we presented some projects. We're trying to produce the first ebook in Brazil, and uh, we're still dealing with this. <laughs> Twelve years later, we're still dealing with this, and uh, we produced. Uh, I wrote the script and we helped produce a pilot for a TV series. But oh my God, how hard it is to produce art in Brazil, you know? Mm -hmm. And at some point, uh, this, this, this TV series called Omnia. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very proud of what we achieved, but it cost us an apartment. Oh, so wow. we had our place already, so the, the guy that the Orçamento. Uh, the, the budget. The budget, of course. Yeah. yeah. Stupid father. <laughs> the, the budget, the guy that did the budget uh, was a jerk. It was completely wrong. And by the time it was were filming, and uh, it's a big it was a big production for the for Kuichiba. And we had I know, more than 20 different, 20 different sets and 35 people involved. And for our, for our city and our uh, uh, art uh, scene. Mm -hmm. uh, scene here, it was a, a, big, a big deal. And eventually we had to sell our apartment to. Oh, to wow, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, it was very traumatic. Uh, yeah, because I remember you guys were trying to get uh, in the Brazilian equivalent of like a Kickstarter or like a GoFundMe or like Indiegogo or something like that. We had a, in Brazil, I think it's called Catarse, which is like catharsis yes. in English. 
and you guys are trying to do some crowdfunding for for the project. But I remember yeah, when yeah, we yeah. talked a couple of years ago, it was like uh, the production was basically done by people that are supposed to be professionals, but they were very amateurish. At least a few yes. people in the few people in the top of the food chain, and that made the project like go south, right? Yes, it was horrible. And because the guy that did the budget, he was the director. So supposedly, supposedly, mm -hmm. uh, he was very experienced. He had produced and directed a lot of stuff. And we trusted him. We trust his judgment, his experience. And he said, no, we can do it with, uh, let's say, 28,000 Brazilian money. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's the, like a, a catharsis. We we uh, uh, raise that money. Yeah. Raise the money more. We raised hundred and thirty-five percent. We raised thirty-five thousand uh, Brazilian oh, wow. monies. Yeah, uh -huh. AIs. Mm -hmm. And uh, but actually, we needed fifty. So the difference came from the producers, me and my wife. Oh, wow. and we had to sell the apartment. Uh, we still have it. Uh, there's some yesterday. You remember Tomas? Of course, Tomas yeah. Barreiros. Yeah, he has a post doctorate now, and uh, he contacted me. He was the original idea was uh, was his. He sent me a message two days ago. Listen, let's try again. Two days ago, huh. let's try again. Uh, rewrite the script. Uh, let's. Uh, I, I, I also, I can edit movies, so yep. uh, re-edit, uh, cut it, I, I, oh my God, he offered me some money, it's not about the money, it's about the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so strange when you when you go, when you work so hard in a project and it doesn't pan out the way you want, or at least when it goes really south, it gives you it like a sour taste in your mouth, right? It's... Uh, it's it's very strange to to get back to it and reinvent. Sometimes it's just a matter of going and creating something else. Yeah, the director that did not not only the budget but the schedule. When we looked at his schedule, there were some days nineteen hours shooting, <laughs> and we did it. Oh, wow. and we did it. We almost died. You know, yeah, I imagine. It was one of the worst things. I, 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 I would rather deal with the cut, the, the house, the seven-year house again, <laughs> but not deal with this anymore. Yeah. One thing, then, yeah. Sorry, one thing that I wanted to ask you, because, uh, like, as people will see, like, from this, like, like outline of the stuff that you have been, that you worked with, uh, you and we'll, we'll continue with the trajectory because I know you did some work afterwards in dubbing things like in Brazil and we'll get into those yeah. things. But how how did writing begin for, for you? Like, because I know you did the like Pensagens and then you did Giana later and then you have another uh book that, that, that you wrote. But how did writing came into your radar? Uh, I well, Italian family. We were uh, my father, my mother, and four uh, sons. Uh, among all the fighting and cursing and screaming, mm -hmm. uh, we had tons of books in my house. And uh, we had, uh, <laughs> again, pre-internet, pre-cable, pre-100 pre channels. 
we had three channels in our TV and it was black and white. And we lived in a place that the, we, we didn't have neighbors. So I had to, uh, I, uh, I had to entertain myself. So I read. I created stuff, universes and characters, and I was always playing with myself or one of my brothers. And um, uh, eventually, I, my mom was very interested in science fiction. And eventually, she wanted to talk about hyperspace travel and time travel. And I started to read about it, and I got hooked. And the first thing I wanted to write was science fiction. But I, it's, like, it's like poetry. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough to write poetry. I'm sure about that. And uh, yeah, I, when you read E.E. Uh, e. Cummings, mm -hmm. when you read Shakespeare, or in Portuguese, when you read Camões, mm -hmm. oh man, I, 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 I must be... And, and to rhyme moon and moon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I won't. And I won't do that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good with prose, but uh, I I don't feel a, I, I'm not able to write poetry, and I won't even pretend to write poetry. And and uh, but then you, uh, you were studying this stuff, and then you were like you were reading and stuff, and then you thought, uh, yeah. oh, maybe I can be a writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I wanted to. How would be to? And then I was. I was. I don't know, 10 years old. And I, I got, my, my, my father had a portable Olivetti typewriter and I assembled it and I started to... Suddenly there was a, a story of, of a, a dog that talks, that used to talk with people. And then there was a story of people going to the center of the earth. Uh, not plagiarizing Jules Verne, but uh, it was people going to the center there. And then I, later, years later, when I started to to practice law, my my the, the the petitions I wrote were always kind of different because I was telling a story. So I practiced for years without really knowing that I was practicing writing. And eventually, uh, I, I, the, the urge was too big, it was too strong, to, uh, and it wanted to come out, and the first short, short stories started. Uh, I, I, I was part of a few, a few uh, contest, contests, yep. concursos, mm -hmm. contests, uh -huh. literary contests in Brazil and in France. I got some, 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 some prizes, mm -hmm. and eventually the first, the first book uh, came up. Mm -hmm. And it was, I love to write, I love to write. And uh, uh, then, then, then came Jaina mm -hmm. with Gabriel. And then I wrote a, a, another novel that's called Revesa. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's ready for four years already. <laughs> yeah, I remember but reading I, the, one of the, I think I still have it here. One of the one of the manuscripts that you showed me of uh, Hevesa, so uh, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I still have to do one final one final rewrite, and then uh, I'm going to to 
to, to offer people, to, yeah. Try to, yeah, offer to, to publishing houses. And then uh, after that, it, it, there's another book uh, called Cerebragens, about short, short stories again. Mm. And uh, so I, I, I wanted to, I don't know, uh, another thing, uh, in Brazil, I wrote an article to a news, local newspaper about it. In Brazil, people always want to create a new style when they're writing. Oh, they want to be, I don't know, brainiacs, and they want to impress people. No, I want to tell a freaking story. Yeah. I, I, I joke, uh, what kind of literature? I don't produce literature. I produce what you read in the bathroom when you go to, to <laughs> take your little time there mm -hmm. inside with your own meditation house. You know, <laughs> you take that book with you. It's unpretentious. I want to inter entertain people. And uh, that's why what drove me to, to write. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very cool, interesting point that you're saying about uh, like the mentality of well, some artists all over the world, but especially not especially in Brazil, but in Brazil for sure. Is uh, and you having been like in uh, like having lived literally like in Canada and then in Brazil too. And for me, seeing in, in different places, one of the things that I noticed, especially now that I'm like helping like my nephew that he wants to be a filmmaker and some other friends of mine that want to do arts in, in Brazil. And one of the things that I notice is exactly this, uh, and this is something like Stephen Pressfield talks in the War of Art about you like having resistance, so the you have your ego that will everything conspires against you so that you don't produce your work or your best work. And one of the yeah. things that happens, and this happens with people from the top to the bottom, everybody suffers from that damn dragon but one of the things <laughs> that uh, it happens like for, for brazilian uh, like for i guess sometimes even first timers it happens with me in photography for sure and i was talking to my nephew about this the other day that how you let ego get into your way because you want to project an image that you are already something you think you should have been if that makes mm -hmm. sense it's like, oh, I am already, like, we, in his case, we were talking about, like, uh, like his specific project he wants to do at the end of his course and how he wants to do this and this is grandiose, like, full-length full uh, feature. And uh, he wants to do it in a nonlinear way with the story that is open-ended and all those things. And then the, the main thing that I was telling him, it doesn't apply to writers, but for movie filmmakers it applies. There's this idea that, you, you create a portfolio for what you want to be hired for. And when you are uh, creating like an artwork, like a book or a movie or something like that, it's sort of like you're putting the signal into the world that you want people to gravitate towards and uh, like be interested in, uh, in your work. And then people sometimes hide behind these masks when they don't have a story that they want to tell but they want to be the artist that created this new thing and came as a yeah. storm. Like, and we all suffer that. Like, it's, it's such an yeah. interesting thing. Yeah, they try to attract people, but the, the gravity is artificial. And, yeah, that's and, a brilliant way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, that's really and, cool. And <laughs> uh, eventually some people will, will, will get attracted but when you really come close to it, you see, oh, it's empty. It's empty. It has yeah. no density. It has no, no information. It's useless. 
and I, I, I don't, I don't want to, to, to attract people with this kind of image. And I, I tell upfront, no, there's, it's not that it doesn't have redeeming values because uh, it's I, a journey. I, I just want to, I, it's a, I want to tell a story, man. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's it. Yes, yeah, a lot of people hide on the, let's say, pretentious idea of obscurity, disguise yeah. this genius, right? Yeah. It's one of those yeah. problems that happen a lot. In, uh, and I find that uh, the other thing that happens a lot, and I think that's not just for, for Brazil, but everywhere, is that we, I don't know, at least for me, the things that we like, as this another idea from Pressfield in the War of Art, that he was saying, like, the things that we have dearest to our hearts are the things we're going to avoid the most. So then we mm -hmm. go, like, that's one of the things that I want to mention, because it's so interesting that we, like, like me, that started, like, in, like, theater, and then I went into advertising, and then I went into, like, physics, of all things, and to be government mm -hmm. employee, and then sort of, like, found, like, in, like, music and photography, and now with, like, media and podcasting and talking to cool people, like, something resembling some sort of a, a path. But at the same time, it's super open-ended. So there is a great thing about us being able to expand our horizons and at the same time having something that is that I call like the, the Clementine of our life, you know, like uh, that uh, the beautiful mm -hmm. beloved one that is far away and you're trying to reach, that kind of a thing. I think there is a lot of that in our, in, in our life as artists and it's such a difficult thing to, to, to navigate. But even having the awareness of it, it's already uh, something interesting. But just yeah. to, go, to go forward a little bit with your story, like that now, then after you came back to Brazil, after like some time in Canada, you, you were working, uh, like you did um, um, like the TV series pilot and trying to do that project. And then uh, Netflix and other like uh, the streaming services started going to Brazil. And then you actually had a chance to use your beautiful voice to do some oh, dubbing for, the, for those. Friend. So how was that experience? Well, uh, Thomas, that you mentioned uh, a few a few moments ago, uh, he is uh, 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 besides journalist, teacher. He, he writes, he directs theater, mm -hmm. and uh, he remembered uh, that we we produced the the the, the, the audiobook the audiobook version yes. of Jena, and then he said, "Listen." I, I don't want to say anything, but can you get me a copy of the uh, one of the files of the mm -hmm. Jenna audiobook? Okay, mm -hmm. why? No, no, I won't say anything. And he took it to one of the most, I think she's the best uh, director, uh, the dubbing director in Brazil. And she lives in, here in Curitiba. And she was starting one of the most amazing experiences we had here that was uh, a dubbing studio dubbing dubbing say, yeah, yeah. Dubbing, mm -hmm. dubbing studio mm -hmm. and in brazil uh, dubbing it's it's kind of different from other places because it's not just a person reading the line there's interpretation involved yeah. they they don't say dubbing they say, they, they say brazilian version of the the it's not portuguese it's brazilian version Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's very oh my god! I love to do that, Pedro. I love to do that. 
and uh, he took the the the, the audio book to. Mm -hmm. Oh, got it. It's just uh, it just uh, stopped for a second, but uh, we're back. Okay. So he took the they took the 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 audio book the, the audio book to the her name was Monica Plasha, mm. and uh, he took the the, the and he, and she said, "I want that voice." <laughs> <laughs> and then I I went to talk to her, and there was a a, a program to teach people how to to dub. And I attended the program, and uh, I was very happy because uh, the day I finished the night, it was 10 p.m., I finished my, my program, I, I said goodbye to my classmates, and I went to the studio to record. I, I, felt, I felt great about it. And I, I dubbed for uh, Universal Studios, I don't even know how many how many documentaries for Netflix. Um, 20, 20 uh, among films and series, and I loved that. I loved. It was amazing. It was very intimate because you are inside the the the, the booth. The booth. Mm -hmm. It's you and your characters. And then the director is on the outside. It's a very intimate thing, and you can, I don't know, it was very strong psychologically and, and emotionally. And I lived art. Or I, I can understand you, you did theater for some time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's different, but uh, I, I think you know what I mean yeah. when you're involved with the characters. And I, I, one of the, the things I love most, I don't know if it's my best uh, work, but it's from a, a French miniseries called uh, Lament, or uh, I don't know in English how, how mm. it is. We'll and it's it. about a serial killer. And I was uh, dubbing Charles, that's the father of the policeman that is hunting the serial killer. And I didn't know where that character was going. Hmm. When I, I recorded the last day, the last scene, I was utterly destroyed emotionally. When I was watching with my wife, when I was starting the last episode, I paused this and I said, my, my wife, I'm sorry about you're going to see it now. Because the guy was... I, 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 I won't spoil don't spoil, it. Don't spoil, no spoilers. No, 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 no. <laughs> and I had to ask her, I'm sorry. I was, I was, I had that guy inside me, you know, it was under my skin. And so, Pedro, I loved that. I, I was so, uh, I don't know. Immersed into it. Uh -huh. Immersed. And then uh, uh, in Brazil, you have two major centers that produce culture. It's Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. And we started, we're producing so much. The studio was running 24 hours a day, uh, uh, seven days a week. And uh, we're producing so much at a high quality that started to, to, to dent their, their income in Rio and Sao Paulo. And they started a, a, a campaign against us. So they, uh, because 
Some of the artists are very known in, in, all, in, in Brazil because they are global. Um, they are actresses and, uh, well, they started like a campaign. Mm -hmm. Yes, and it produced uh, effects. And now there's no more dubbing in Curitiba. Oh, wow. Because they, they ask their, their fans to, I don't know, for example, go into the Netflix website or on Facebook and bash us because we had accent and that was different from the accent from the awful, god awful <laughs> accent they have in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. And, and they eventually we had to stop. Oh, that's, that's, that's too bad. Yeah, like it's a, it's an interesting thing. Like uh, just to do a little parallel, that is kind of funny, especially living here in uh, in in Kiev and uh, watching some um, like some content here that has like versions that are dubbed in uh, Russian or Ukrainian. Uh, mm -hmm. Like the difference to what we grew up with, because like for well for North American context or for people that are like native like English speakers, usually they are more focused on. English speaking content so they don't really see either like movies with subtitles and very unlikely they will see things that are dubbed and when they do they actually see things that are dubbed in English but for us since North American movies are so prevalent they used to and usually Brazilians wouldn't be like fluent in Portuguese so they would dub the movies they do that in France they do that like uh, in many many places but in Brazil they had like certain like actors that they will always do the voice of this or that character and all that. So you grew yeah. up listening to those voices. So in dubbing was very highly produced and very nice. And just to give one example, I was watching Yana wanted to, Yana is my wife and she was showing me this movie, this Italian movie from the seventies, like begin 1980 to be, to be exact. And uh, I'll send you later because it's hilarious. And mm -hmm. I never heard about it, ever. It's not a thing that in Brazil people have, would have heard about it. And we only found a version that was dubbed in Russian with English subtitles. So it's an Italian oh. movie dubbed in <laughs> Russian. And I had to like, have the, the, the English subtitles for that. But the dubbing, most of the time, in, and here they have a lot of like Turkish soap operas and movies. So they have a lot of dubbed things in, in, uh, Western, in Eastern Europe. And what they do that is bizarre is they have the audio with the original audio yeah, and yeah. they dub on top the voice. Yeah. So like when you have that kind of quality and then you have what people are doing in Brazil, it's just to give an idea of what you are, what you are saying of the Brazilian version of uh, movies because it's really well thought out uh, and the... Uh, yeah, that's a shame that there was this lobbying. And, uh, and for people to know, it's sort of like you're trying to create a, like a Silicon Valley outside of Silicon Valley or trying to create movies outside of Los yeah. Angeles or New York. It's, it's very hard exactly. to do. Yeah. And uh, there's a, I remember one, that, for example, the guy that, do, that does the, the Batman voice in Brazil, he's the same guy that does George Clooney here in Brazil. <laughs> yeah. He has a very deep voice like that. And uh, when they, uh, the, the first day I, I had a direct, I was in the booth and there was the director and the operator. And the operator said, Fabio, may I ask you a, a small favor? Yeah, what do you need? Could you please say 
I am the night. And I said, <clears throat> make it very deep. Okay, I am the night. And he screamed, we have a Batman. Unfortunately, it was just wishful thinking. Uh, because they didn't get probably the, the production rights for that, uh, for yeah, that production yeah, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's interesting how it's happening like in Brazil, with the, like, especially this explosion of content that we have today with TV series and all those things. And I guess it would be an interesting segue because you are one that, uh, how is your like intake of, uh, I think people like just be interesting for people to know because like we when we were in Canada, we would like, play board games all the time and you all have like always have like this long conversations like throughout the night and stuff and i know you're a guy that not only like reads a lot but you watch a lot of uh, tv series and you like you're into video games you're into all sorts of like uh, culture so how is your like uh, intake of information in terms of how you get inspiration to create the stuff that 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 you create uh, talk a little bit about that so an open-ended question but. Okay, uh, wonderful question, by the way. Uh, I, I, like I said, when I was a kid, no white hair, and uh, uh, I used to read a lot, and I used to watch lots of television. So uh, we have Netflix has today a, a Lost in Space series. Well, I'm the, from the time when you used to watch the, 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 the original version of Lost Space, Lost in Space. Time Tunnel, uh, Lands of the Giants, Ring Team Team, and I don't know what else. So I was always watching these this, this things uh, when I was a kid. And when we started, when you got access to cable, oh my God, it was uh, amazing because we had access to lots of different things, even productions from other countries, not only, not only those... Uh, 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 sitcoms and minor series from the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it got to the point to have access to Netflix and Amazon Prime, I don't even watch open television anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, not even cable. Because um, we watch, Nancy has a very uh, eclectic taste, like myself. So we watch from, I don't know, the Goldbergs to the Black Mirror and everything in the middle. We, I, we were, to the last season, uh, huge fans of uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I, I, I quoted Jon Snow at the beginning yeah, of yeah. our conversation. Mm -hmm. I have a T-shirt from the... From the, the Stark family, mm -hmm. and I read all the books. But the same thing with the Harry Potter. I read all the books. Mm -hmm. I, we we watch the whole Harry Potter series once a year. Hmm. Like, like I said, uh, we're kids. We're yeah. just all on the outside, and that kind of stuff keep us keep us alive inside. We're in the middle of a freaking pandemic. Pan pandemic. By the way, a great the board game. And a great board game too, I was going to say. <laughs> you check it out. It's a very cool game. Yes, definitely. And uh, it's cooperative. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. 
And so uh, everything, and I, I think I had uh, last year, I developed uh, a sleeping disorder. Mm -hmm. I would go to bed. I, I always read a little bit. I, I have, I must, I will do, not even if it's a paragraph, but I read every, a little bit every night. So it's, it's inducing. It's part of my ritual to go to sleep. But then I would wake up six, seven, eight, nine times every night. So it was, it was very hard for me. It's a very dark period. Mm -hmm. And uh, now it's okay, but um, part of the thing, part of the problem is, I told you some of the things my family was facing. Yes. And uh, uh, is my, my, my mind never stops. I'm, I, I see uh, there's a, uh, another building, uh, the other, other block. Sometimes I see people cooking. And my mind immediately starts to, to tell stories and create stuff of what's the name, mm -hmm. what they're doing, who's the husband, how they the son. And that yellow sock. What's the, what's the story behind that yellow sock on the uh, that they wore? You know, every time, every instant, I never stop. I was talking to a to a, 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 a old friend of mine, and she wanted to be she wanted to be a, a photographer. Mm -hmm. And then I asked her, and you know about this kind of stuff. You 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 are taking pictures all the time. You are seeing things and framing yeah. things all the time. When you work with, with uh, pictures like you do, I, I imagine that's how your mind yeah, works. Yeah, you, you can't and I help work it. with. Yeah, it's all the time. Yeah. Uh, when I'm right, uh, as a person that I, I can say I'm an artist, I can say it's, it's odd to say I'm a writer, but I, I understand uh, 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 when, when you work with uh, words. Everything creates different paths inside my head. And what if it, we went down that road? What if that road? What if it took? Oh no, let's not let's not go downstairs. Let's go upstairs. And uh, my mind never stops. Yeah, I'm, my mind wanders all the time. I'm right there. And now mm -hmm. sometimes we're talking like it happened here twice. I went away and I didn't know how to come back. You brought oh, me back to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to me too. So all the time. Yeah. And and she said, I want to be a photographer. Okay. Have you have you have access to a, a photographic machine? Mm -hmm. uh, no, I, I, I'll, I'll lend or I'll, I'll borrow. I'll, I'll get when necessary. But no, no, listen. You have to be all the time with your mind focused on what you're doing. Otherwise, you be, uh, won't go anywhere. And she said, but that's uh, uh, tiresome. I, I, I will never, I can never disconnect from the thing. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the only it. way yeah. to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how uh, our mind works. Like when you're in pictures or music, and I and and I when using words or sentences, every single uh, we are talking about the people that create artificial gravity and yeah. pretend to be to be. Uh, well, they're not. Yeah. Like, yes, there's a. I was attending a post grad program here, uh, and it was how how you read things. 
So how you read books, how you read music, how you read theater, how you read uh, movies, it was an amazing program. And uh, when we were studying how to read books, literature, read, mm-hmm. quote, quote, uh, there was a person, I don't remember her name, thank God, and mm-hmm. she was tra- translating a book called uh, um, that was on... Uh, literature theory. Mm-hmm. The author was original was Terry Eagleton, mm-hmm. and you when you read what she tra- translated, it was uh, it was a jumble. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't understand. Listen, I'm not I'm not a genius, but I'm not stupid. All right, mm-hmm. I would read once, twice, three times, four times. It's wrong. Something's <laughs> not right here. So I bought the book in English, and it was crystal clear. It was mm-hmm. crisp, perfect, precise. And uh, one sentence on Terry Eagleton's six uh, sentence was, I don't know, four paragraphs of that bitch. I don't wow. remember her name. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Like having studied like uh, the communications in Brazil, and then we had like uh, this is in the 90s in my case so it's much way before all the craziness that is happening now in the in academia with uh, really 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 crazy political correctness and uh, oh. and postmodern theory and all that but i remember even then you would get even guys that i had to be honest a complete aversion to because of university like uh, marshall McLuhan for example, uh-huh. that I thought it was like terrible in, in communication theory. And when I got exposed to some of his quotes many, many years later, I was like, huh, what's that? That's a very cool idea. Who's that? Oh, Marshall McLuhan. Who's that? That quote, very cool. Marshall McLuhan. And then you go yeah. to read the original texts. It's insane. And so in Brazil, we have, I think it comes from the, I think, to be honest, comes from this uh, like French postmodernist way of thinking that you have the spiral way of thinking. You're trying to convey a lot of um, like uh, interjections in the middle of ideas and be super convoluted. It's a thing that um, what's his name, uh, Randy uh, James Randy said. It's a mm-hmm. quote that he said that it's a uh, never miss an opportunity to convey an idea like in a more difficult way when a simple one is available because um, you can never miss the opportunity to make sure that obscurity uh, is confused with erudition. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to be yes. this super fancy person, mm-hmm. but no, let's really complicate the way we're talking to pretend that there is some gravity to our ideas when it's actually yeah. super blank. I remember in yeah. theory, communication theory, we had the, well, I won't name names, but we had a, a, a common teacher, and she was saying, like, in cinema, like, oh, the, I know. like the, the being as, like, it was a very, oh, I can't, I, I don't think I can translate to English, but it was a very, very convoluted way of saying a very simple idea that is actually very cool, that is, depending on how you cut um, the movie, the fact that you're cutting, say, for example, I'm showing a gun and then I'm showing the face and then I'm showing broken glass on the floor. Even the cutting of this, this, the sequence of events, or if I decide to show 
all of them at the same time, they will influence the story. It's a cool way. Mm -hmm. It's a very cool idea. But the way it was presented with all this jargon and this, it was absolutely nerve wracking to try to penetrate that idea. And I think that goes from that idea of like, when you get down to what they're trying to say, there's nothing to it. It's very simple. Or it's so obvious that why are you talking about this? Or it's basically not true. Right? It's a very interesting mm -hmm. thing that, that happens. I, I had the, I had the opportunity. It was not uh, it was not luck, but I I I, I, I read her master's uh, dissertation. Oh. Uh, mm -hmm. oh, oh no no oh, oh. it was bullshit. It was yeah. horrible. It was awful. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Marshall McLuhan. Mm -hmm. uh, let's not say names because mm -hmm. we don't want to attract lawsuits against us. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned how hard it was to read and understand Marshall McLuhan in, in Portuguese, yeah. in Brazil. I, I, it happened, happened the same thing with me because when we're uh, studying at the journalism program, we're studying uh, communications theory. And then he, they, uh, you know, the person who, uh, mm -hmm. I studied the communication with, mm -hmm. yes, and she she uh -huh. uh, 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 tried to explain that hot uh, and cold. Uh, 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 remember the thing from from Marshall McLuhan? Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. uh, hot, a, uh, hot, me hot media, hot media, and yeah. cold media. Yes, uh -huh. something like that. Yeah. And, and she was not secure. She was not on the spot of what she was telling us. And then we, my people, my colleagues, we asked some questions. She, oh, okay, look at the little bird outside. And then she, she continued her lecture. And mm. I went to read about it. And then I got the book. I, brought, I bought the book that was used, uh, the, the, the Marshall translation. Google, uh -huh. translation. And then I, who the Frau wrote Frack. the translated, who the Frack translated this book. Do you know who translated the book? In no, Portuguese? no, I don't. You remember? No. He's a very famous author in Brazil. Oh. A very famous author. Huh. And uh, he also shall not be named. Okay. And he it was so hard to understand that, that concepts from Marshall McLuhan in Brazil because the translation was opposite what it was in English. Oh, wow. The hot was cold and the cold was hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so nobody could understand shit yeah. what they're, they're, they're telling us. And that's the kind of stuff you say, the, the, it's awful. And like you said, when you have access to the, to, to the English original, it's yeah. perfect, it's precise, it's yeah. clean cut, it's crystal clear. And when you see Portuguese, it's so annoying. The, the, oh, I'm itching to say the name of the guy that translated the book. <laughs> well, I guess people can Google it, but uh, I don't know. It will tell me off air because I'm curious. I guess it's more inside people, but it, it was so interesting. Like, for example, one, one, I think you will appreciate, I don't know if you know this phrase from Marshall McLuhan, that I think it's very, very applicable for today, that he was saying that the... He was talking about technology, right? And how he was saying that we human beings are the sexual organs of the machines. 
Whoa, whoa, stop, pause that. <laughs> yeah. So he was saying that the, the humans are the sexual organs of the machine world. And what he was talking about was like, we are trying to create like every time better machines and every time better things. And we're doing this through consumerism, especially the exponential uh, like um, uh, advance of technology. And even yeah. when you talk about our like worries in technology with like AI became sentient or with the idea of like the, the whole the singularity, right? The, huh? Ray Kurzweil singularity. Yeah, so that kind of stuff. So, but he was talking about this idea in the, the I guess, 60s or 70s. And, he, and then he was saying, like, from an ecological point of view, and of course, he's talking metaphorically, not literally, but he was saying that we as human beings, we are these, uh, like, things that sustain the creation of machines, which is why he said that we are the sexual organs of machines, which is a brilliant concept to, to talk yeah. about, especially even before people were even thinking of cyborgs or things like that. He was already envisioning those things. And those ideas were basically blocked to us in terms of uh, education because of the pomposity in the way of uh, presenting those things. And I guess you had that, you had the experience at least three times because you had it in law, which is by definition something that tries to create uh, um, a special impenetrable kind of language, right? Yeah. And you have like in, I guess in journalism, not that much, but on the surrounding areas, like in social sciences or in, uh, in uh, sociology or in the communication theory, people try to obfuscate ideas and i guess now in psychology so i guess it's a cool segue so you decided to get uh, i guess we can talk a little bit about like you started because you said about helping people so you started a little bit of uh, doing stuff in coaching and now you're studying uh psychology so you came back after all this time to to get your degree in psychology so talk a little bit about that so i i when we moved back to brazil and we are trying to produce the and kind of arts here, uh, I, I had that urge to talk to people. I have a, I, I don't know, I, I can read people, read, if you can yeah. say that, yeah. very well. And um, sometimes I, 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 I have an intuition of what to say. And as a teacher, I used to teach uh, for almost 10 years in two different universities here. I, I don't know. I love to be close to, to, to people and say what they need to hear at that moment. Mm -hmm. So I eventually I got, a, I got a certification from the Gallup Institute in, in the States, United States, to, uh, to work with uh, strengths uh, coach, uh, coaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you try to, to, to find through an assessment what are the things and how you do things that are uh, the best way for you? How you do these things well, how you are and how you do things. And I love to coach. I, I, I know exactly the difference between therapy and coaching because I, I, I do therapy. I attend a therapist for more than a year. Mm. And uh, so I know exactly where what are the, 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 the path I have to thread or not. So I keep things different. But the problem is, in Brazil, uh, any 
18-year-old charging 20 bucks an hour say, to, says uh, after I don't know, a 12 hour certification program uh, is now a coach. Yeah, yeah. life coach. It's a, it's a worldwide phenomenon, yeah. It's a worldwide plague. It's a yes. pandemic <laughs> because people, people are not ready to deal with that. And people tend to mix stuff. And giving advice is not coaching. Giving advice is not therapy. And they don't understand that. So it's, you're not in a bar uh, smoking whatever the hell you smoke and drinking whatever the hell you drink and telling your friends what to do. My, I tell my clients what uh, my job is to ask questions. You have to answer. You have to work. You're driving the, the, the motorcycle. I'm on sidecar. Oh, so you are the GPS. Absolutely not. The GPS tell you where to go. I don't tell you anything where to go. It's your path. I'm just by your side. And uh, I was doing very well. I was uh, feeling fulfilled. I was finally, I find, found why I did everything I did in my life. And now I'm sitting here one-on-one -on -one and asking the right questions. And then, can I curse? Yes. Uh -huh. A motherfucker, a Brazilian motherfucker, bought some time on the most uh, watched soap opera in Brazil, telling that his technique uh, was uh, useful to see what happened on past lives, mm. and he was the best coach in Brazil, and that, like a, a, a merch merchandising, Mm -hmm. uh, his, his his school and he would deal with trauma and the the, the, the girl had uh, been abused as a child. No, you deal with that. Oh my God, the 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 federal uh, bar, uh, I guess, from psychology. Bar, yeah, the equivalent, yeah, bar of psychologists. Uh, psychologists uh created a nationwide nation nationwide discussion about it that end up in the senate in brazilia and the the result from that is today in brazil coaching is a joke and coaches are stupid people that didn't uh, uh, fare well in anything else and then they decided to give advice mm -hmm. so when i saw this happening I, you know what? I have to be prepared for when this shit hit the storm. The this the the shit hits the fan. The mm -hmm. shit storm happens. The cluster fuck happens, <laughs> and uh, I have to be prepared. And I have to. I want to continue to do what I do, but knowing uh, and first of all protected by a degree, because of course the coaching takes you to some point. And then uh, some people needs they need more, yeah, and they couldn't give more. For example, I had a client, and she's. Uh, I'll try to translate what she told me, and pay attention to the sentence she 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 said to me. Fabio, I know why my stepfather committed suicide. My mom gave him AIDS. 
And Pedro yeah. is thinking. Yeah. 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 Tough, yeah. tough things. Stepfather killed himself because yeah. her mother gave him AIDS. AIDS yeah. Mill, oh. uh, Mill, <laughs> brother, <laughs> dude. Yeah. I'm not prepared to deal with that. I'm not prepared to do it. I'm not. I was not trained. I don't have the expertise to do it. Yeah. First thing, listen. You have to talk to a psychologist. I know. I already have a psychologist. Okay. So you have to deal with your family. Okay. No problem. So then I, I was able to continue with uh, with the program. Mm -hmm. But the the problem is, I know where I'm not supposed to go. But the thing is, I want to go there. Right. Because uh, I want to really, really help people. But while I am a coach, while as coaching, I, I know that I can go there and I won't go there. So mm -hmm. that's why I, I went to study psychology. And it doesn't matter if I graduate when I'm 63 or years old. I was talking to my therapist. How are you dealing with that? Oh, it's no problem. I, 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 I uh, enjoy and I know th we have to study statistics and have to study uh, genetics uh, yeah. but we'll get there eventually we'll get there and when I get my 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 my, my diploma mm -hmm. uh, we have to walk in, in front of the table and get congratulations mm -hmm. and then I get the diploma I'll show to people and I moonwalk off the stage <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter if I'm 63 or if you're 73. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Because that's one of the things that I keep uh, like uh, I tell like some friends that want to jump into creative field or at least they have this idea of sunk cost, right? Oh, I already paid so much in my life to go into this direction, and then they decide to like to keep going in that direction. But you have always to think of what's the alternative. Right. If you are not happy with the thing that you are doing, the worst thing that can happen is you actually continuing on that path that you know. And it's not even about being wrong. It's about being. That's the stepping stone you needed to get to the next thing. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Right. And it's just like yeah. writing. There are people that wrote their first books when they were like sixty something, whatever. Right. Or yeah. or movies or like whatever things and. And for psychology, it's even one advantage, I think, because you already have all your um, life experience behind you, right? Yeah. So, and yeah. that's something that uh, like a twenty-year-old won't have, even if they're graduating from from uh, from psychology. And I think that's one of those things that people don't really consider. Like we happen to, like both you and I happen to have that. Uh, for good or bad, we have that uh, profile that is we are always like wanting to learn new things, and we don't worry about like really okay let's start something else but i think especially considering just to go back to the to the pandemic today how a lot of people are started teaching online all my like my mm -hmm. our friends like uh, like my wife and i we have like online things for a while now for like a few years but you see everybody now that is pushed into this isolation. But the first thing they do is like, okay, now I'm doing my online teaching and all those things and they're flooding the markets and people are complaining about it. But the way that I see, it's like, it's so cool because first of all, you will see how many meetings you didn't have to have, right? Mm -hmm. And you will yeah. see how many meetings you actually have to have. So you will appreciate much more the, the interactions with people and how a lot of people are like, prepared or not prepared so it talks a lot about 
our having to reinvent ourselves. Now we're being put into this situation that has all these challenges and people losing their jobs. And then they either decide to get like, okay, let's finally think of this or that thing that I wanted to do and that what we were postponing. Or they decide to like go in fetal position and the complain to the that the universe is unfair. But I think whatever comes of this thing, if we're not eaten by the zombies and the aliens <laughs> come and all that, I think it will be a very cool thing. And part of it will be this idea that it's okay to at whatever 60, 70, you decide to, oh, I want to pursue this path because that's the path that I want to to get into and I think that's a that's a great thing so it's really cool yeah it's uh, it's uh, so fulfilling finally be able to study that things that I wanted to study when I was 20 years old I'm 57 now it's a, like you said it's a different appreciation when you have this right. kind of mileage <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cool. So uh, just to finish off, um, where people should go to check out your stuff, your content, and uh, I will probably, as soon as we're done, I'll probably bug you to start your own podcast soon. But uh, like, where <laughs> should people go to? Like, what's the best place online or uh, like a website or like where, where is the best place to find your, your content? I've been trying to reduce my online footprint and... Uh, Social media for me, uh, I don't remember. I probably posted two, I, I produced two posts for Facebook for the past year or so. Mm -hmm. I have on Instagram, I'm a lurker. I, I just mm -hmm. like to, to see what people, I, I have probably four or five photos that I published. Um, I focused more recently on a, on a more um, because of the coaching practice, my coaching practice, uh, I, I focus more on LinkedIn. But I, I, I have um, some of the stuff we did, uh, we took off uh, from from the internet. We did, oh, okay. disa disabled. Yeah, because I was not able to 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 sell the books and uh, the the for, for example for for the series. They're not online anymore, and we're because at some point uh, a director, a famous director here in Brazil, we can openly talk about yet, but he is showing he's showing interest because he mentioned the project yeah. to a big producer. That's like one of those things. Mm -hmm. So we had to take everything down. But um, uh, but you still have your, your website of pensagens, I think, like your, your blog. No, it's like offline. It's, it's offline. offline. It was offline. hacked so and then it took. You are in took. quarantine. Your content is in quarantine for now, then. Okay. You're really <laughs> <laughs> but you can give me my WhatsApp. People, if people want to talk to me, they can talk to me directly. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I will, I'll put link to to that. Like I'll ask people, like if they want to 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 get like learn more about your stuff. Like and again, uh, apologies that some of the books are in uh, Portuguese, but it's. Uh, I thought I, th I thought having the conversation with like person that has gone through all these different things would be like interesting for for people. So again, we're we've been friends for a while. You were a brother to me. So thank you so much for being a part of this episode. 
I love talk to you and I hope uh, uh, I ask forgiveness because my I lost part of my English. Oh, <laughs> Some great. of the words I don't remember, my pronunciation is shitty. But uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you as usual. And, you know, I see you as a brother as well. And mm. Okay, Let's now go, we have to put some music to go into. <laughs> no, but really, thank oh. you so much. And uh, hopefully a part two when new things uh, come to attention or whenever you get out of quarantine, we'll get uh, okay. around to. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So, that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to The Wanderings Podcast. You can find show notes and links at pedrobonato.com podcast. If you like the show, I would love if you could share it with your friends or leave a review on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on all social media at Pedro Bonato. I would love to hear from you. You can find my photography work at pedrobonato.com. The music for The Wanderings Podcast is provided by the Blue Dot Ensemble, a music and dance group exploring traditions from all over the planet, where I am one of the founders and the lead drummer. You can find us at bluedotensemble.com. So tune in next week for another show. Until then, I urge you to keep following your curiosity, and I'm looking forward to our next Wanderings together. <laughs>